Hello, everyone. Welcome to Trump Stakes, episode 13. Oh, lucky number 13. It's a lucky day. Um, it is a lucky day. I mean, it certainly seems lucky because of the weather. And we also are somewhat lucky that uh, Trump got back from his trip and we're all still here. <laughs> but in a certain sense, we're not so lucky. And that is why we are talking about Trump's trip today. Mm-hmm. And you and I were talking, and I think the big takeaway from this trip is... It showed that the bill for Trump's ness is coming due. Trump's ness. Trump's ness. Yeah. The Trumpness. F- fuck Trumpism. Yeah. Trumpness. Or, the Trumpness monster. The Trump. Ooh. Yeah. Except instead of spikes coming out of the water, it's just like a big white butt. <laughs> <laughs> big white butt. And yeah. Like as a, he dives. Yeah. And a uh, ridiculous haircut. So. Um, for those of you who were not paying attention, uh, it's a pretty big, pretty big trip. It was long. He was gone for like how many days was he gone for? Nine days, and it was great. And oh, God, I know everything great. felt so calm. Even right. not having the president on social media, you know, watching television, and members getting angry. Of, members of Congress even said that it was like uh, in interviews, anonymous interviews said that things were a little bit more relaxed. And I think everyone, even the staff that were left behind felt more relaxed. But then again, like the entire White House staff went with the guy left with like everybody, uh, like a, like a caravan. Yeah. Like the court, like the traveling court, um, uh, to, uh, first stop Saudi Arabia. Then he went to Israel. Then he went to Brussels. Then he went to Italy with a stop in the Vatican, with a stop in the Vatican. Cause you got to stop by. Yeah. You're coming through. Yeah. We're coming. Hey, your holiness. We were just in the area. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, in some ways, the trip went like we expected. Yeah, um, really badly. Really, yeah, <laughs> really badly. Um, and, but the, the really disturbing thing is it, it shows that Trump being Trump has real costs. Real costs. And, and it's not just— And, and the, the fullest of those was symbolized today in the Rose Garden when he gave a— a kind of meandering campaign style speech about pulling out of the Paris climate deal uh, that made very little sense, was not grounded in any actual facts about the I agreement. mean, he, he ended up talking about the tax reform bill moving into Congress, which is going very well, he, except there is no tax reform bill. There is no tax reform so, bill. But that's, neither, he, that's yeah. where we're going to end up. Yeah. But let's kind of go through each stop and what it showed us. Uh, and, and what we quite haven't we haven't quite figured out about. So, the first stop um, was uh, Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. with, America's longtime beacon of democracy ally. You know, well, well, no, yeah, 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 espousing the most of American values. Well, I mean, just a little background. Like, the real reason why we're like friends with the Saudis was because. We wanted a, like a military beachhead to defend the Middle East from Russia. Yeah, like that. That's how we got here. Just mm-hmm. to let you know. Yeah. Um. So yes, he goes to Saudi Arabia, who you know kills homosexuals by beheading them. Women can't drive, uh, and there's uh, no democracy. The entire eastern 
region of the country where the Shia minority live is uh, essentially a military occupation. Like, <laughs> yeah, engaged in a uh, arguably uh, inhumane war in Yemen. Yeah, bad dudes. Also, the yeah. birthplace of pretty much all the 9-11 hijackers and uh, systematically exports their militant view of Islam. Around the world. Yeah. So, top, tip-top guys. And one of our leading partners in the fight against terrorism. Exactly. I mean, they play an important role even in the Obama administration. They're sort yeah. of like the leader of the, the Sunni bloc in the Middle East that like we use as the instrument of a lot of our foreign policy. Yeah, which is essentially... Just like a counterweight, the Gulf states have just been a counterweight to Iran, you know, as we pursued a dual containment strategy of Iraq and Iran uh, up until the removal of Saddam Hussein. But yeah, the Sunni bloc of those those countries, right? Saudi Arabia was one of the leaders. So was Egypt, uh, though since the Arab Spring with the loss of Mubarak, Egypt has just been kind of in crisis and has essentially yeah. turned into like a, a proxy fight between Qatar and, and Saudi Arabia. So there's some continuity here because the Obama administration was supportive of the Saudis. Um, under the Obama administration, there was a $100 billion arms deal. And uh, Trump on this trip announced another deal uh, uh, that was a little bit more, like $110 billion. Mm-hmm. And um, the Obama administration signed off on the horribly designed and executed war in Yemen, uh, which is a humanitarian catastrophe. Uh, yeah. So, and, and, But that was mostly to just be like, we're going through with the Iran deal. You can invade your neighbor. We'll be okay with it. That is very true. And I was about to say that. Um, so first of all, this Trump arms deal, largely negotiated in the Obama administration. So, And those deals, like you said, mainly exist, or not mainly, a significant reason why they exist is because they were literally like a bribe to Saudi Arabia yeah. Um, to be like sort of okay with the Iran deal, even though they weren't. Um, so th- there's the continuity, but there were some differences. So let's talk first about style or substance. The age-old question. Of the Trump visit. <laughs> um, I think uh, – And they're sort of related. Yeah. I mean they, they really are because um, by – I think – by wedding himself to the Saudis like this, of just completely buying into their version of the problems in the region, uh, which is a very sectarian, sort of poisonous view of things. Yeah. Um, that certainly, if you are interested in ending conflicts in the Middle East and pushing countries in the region towards democratization, the Saudi worldview is not the frame that gets you there. And so he really put his thumb on the scale in favor of a very divisive and violent uh, frame to understand the region, all about keeping Iran boxed in and instead of kind of taking the progress that is achieved through the nuclear deal and sort of slowly, you know, using a combination of carrots and sticks, reintegrate Iran into the regional order, which is the last thing that Saudi Arabia wants. No, so not at all. It, it has to take this. Well, the way he sharp. aligned himself with Iran, I think with Saudi Arabia is two things. Um, one is that he was incredibly effusive in his praise at every step of the way. And yes. not only was he effusive in his praise, but he did not criticize the issues that American presidents 
usually criticized when they visit the country, yeah. which is talking about human rights and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. It was uh, unbelie- It was positive, and there was a level of fraternization um, among the caravan yeah. and himself. So, like, there was the whole conga line dancing with swords thing, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is real. There yeah. was the... Uh, the all-male Toby Keith concert yes that's like a like a cultural sociological thesis waiting to happen yeah if Um, i was an anthropo if i was an anthropology like fulbright scholar that would be my whole well i keep on yes uh and then they seem to be having the entire summit at what i would describe as like a mall of america layered over with tons of gold and marble like it just looked like a very yeah. well air conditioned, yeah. very large convention center slash five star hotel. So that's actually like a pretty good description of what a lot of the Gulf is like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I say that having <laughs> having been to several of these countries. Um, yeah, that that's right. He- heavily air conditioned, kind of tacky. It was so <laughs> cold that I could see the air conditioning in the photos. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Do you ever <laughs> see places like that? Because places that are that heavily air conditioned are usually incredibly clean, but clean also because there's just not that much stuff around. <laughs> anyway, you know what I mean. If you've seen a room, if you've seen your... <laughs> if air, you, air conditioning and the, and the streets are clean? If you, you've seen pictures of a cold room, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> all right, we'll leave, we'll leave it at that. Anyway, um, it was very ostentatious. If, yeah, very ostentatious tag. I mean, and if you've seen any pictures of Trump's uh, Manhattan Tower, right at home. Right. Yes. I mean, literally looks the same. Yeah. Or it looks a right little more Gaddafi esque. There's more. It sort of has a more like Louis the, you know, Louis the Fourteenth. Uh, yeah, like a like French imitation. Yeah, exactly. Versailles style. Yeah. Um. So he was he loved Saudi Arabia. Had a great time. There was the orb. The orb. The magical orb at the counterterrorism center. Yeah. Which looks like a scene from Doctor Strange Love. It does. It looked like the war room. It, it did. And you could sort of imagine, uh, if you haven't seen uh, Stanley Kubrick's masterpiece, Dr. Strangelove, there's this scene where the nuclear apocalypse is like bearing down on America, and the generals are are discussing what's happening, and people start fighting uh, in the war room, and then the, the president starts yelling, like, you can't fight in the war room. There's no fighting in the war room. Yeah. This <laughs> is the war room. Yeah. You can't fight in here. And it looked like yeah. that. And I can sort of imagine because the Saudis like do support terrorism yeah. in one form or another. You can't talk about terrorism. The anti-terrorism center. Yeah, <laughs> this is the anti-terrorism center. Yeah. So the orb, though, was in a case metaphor. Didn't see this picture. There's this opening ceremony of this anti-terrorism center um, down the street from a radicalizing mosque. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but the anti-terrorism it's block to block. It's gentrifying. Yeah. It it. Uh, there's this picture taken of King Salman of Saudi Arabia, uh, President Sisi, uh, military dictator of Egypt, and Trump, uh, all with their hands on this glowing orb. It was a globe, um, but in a, like a dimly lit room with dozens of people standing behind them in the dark. Looking at them touching the orb. Yeah, the magical orb and all of its power. And it's sort of – but that's another example of like the bizarre fraternization. Like yeah. you would never – was it just a question that Trump's advance team was terrible? Yeah, so everyone's going to put their hands on this orb. Obama would not be and, touching the orb. Yeah. 
Obama would have never touched the orb. He yeah. would have bowed. Yeah. <laughs> he would go on an American apology tour. Yeah. But the reason... So there's not actually a lot here. I mean, there's a ton here. Yeah. Because it has huge implications. But it was the quote-unquote best part of the trip. The easy leg. In the sense that we knew yeah. what was going to happen. We were going to go. He was going to be supportive of Saudi Arabia. He was going to be against Iran. He was yeah. going to align himself with the Sunnis. He was going to sign an arms deal. And there'd be some weird stylistic shit, but whatever. He'd get out. Yeah. And largely, that is what happened. That is what happened. In Saudi yeah. Arabia. So then he flew from Saudi Arabia in a historic flight from Riyadh to Israel, which has never happened before as the press office reiterated. What were they going to do? Like stop in, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> Turkey? Like, yeah, it's a flight. Fine. Yeah. Um, I mean, there is significance there, but I thought that was just... Really stupid. I didn't understand what the message was. If, like, that's one of your biggest highlights, then you haven't yeah. accomplished enough. We flew yeah. direct. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or nonstop, excuse me. Yeah. Direct would be, you know, because I, I only yeah. figured out what the difference between those two were, like, <laughs> recently. Okay. So they get to Israel. Sort of some raw ne- nerves in Israel. Yeah. Um, rightfully so. Because we leaked uh, info to the Russians about we, ISIS. We. Well, you know, I Trump. Feel, I feel like I have, you know, I didn't phone Trump. bank enough, so I feel yeah. I feel like I'm involved. So I feel like I was the ass in the Oval yeah, Office exactly. that uh, just let this slip. Um, yeah, so a big story that has now been totally obscured by the events of, I don't know, a couple of weeks passing uh, is that in his sort of very poorly timed Oval Office meeting with the Russian Foreign Minister and U.S. Amb- and Ambassador to the U.S., Trump disclosed extremely sensitive intelligence about uh, an ISIS threat involving laptops and and airliners, and uh, confirmed essentially in Israel that Israel was the source of the intelligence. Um, saying, like, in, in, during a photo op with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, like, for the record, I never said Israel in my meeting. I never, I never said Israel. Yeah. You got that story wrong. And it's like, that's not what the story said, but you've now confirmed, confirmed it. that and Israel was the source. And he confirmed it standing next to... Benjamin Netanyahu. You can see his face go through these stages of like, oh wait, he's doing what? Oh, yeah. like it's unbelievable. Maintain. You yeah. have to understand when, when two leaders talk on the phone, when two leaders of nations talk on the phone, that is a tightly choreographed process. Each side gets like a briefing paper. Lower level deputies have worked out the exact agenda of the call. Yeah. Um, each side typically has a team of people sort of listening in. In case anything unexpected comes up. Yes. Yeah. And there Country are, experts, regional experts. Yes. So there's yeah. strict parameters. It happens. It's done. That type of choreography uh, is even more in place with some exceptions, which sort of the G7 is actually one of them. But for your typical state visit, those types of restrictions are even more in place because it's just really like – it's a, you don't want to fuck up. Yeah, you you don't want people to come away with the wrong impression from the call. You want to make sure that your points are are come across. You don't want to leave any doubts about kind of what you're hearing and what you're saying. Well, the other thing is that think about what you know about Italy's domestic politics, right? Uh, well, we all know that Mussolini made the trains run on time. Yeah. <laughs> 
Every week. I know. Every week. You spit it in. But, but, but you, most Americans, including myself, frankly, uh, frankly, I must admit, Thanks. don't know a lot about Italy's domestic politics. Yeah. But – We'll get your head out of your if ass. If the Italian prime minister comes and has a meeting with the president and, you know, that makes the news. Yeah. So if you're visiting a foreign country, that is like the point in time that you probably have the biggest audience in that country. So therefore, what you do and say is tremendously important because it can have uh, one of the biggest impacts on the, the, their, the view of you in that country domestically. Yeah. So that's why that Trump, Trump essentially looking like a bubbling idiot – on Israeli television is a big deal. Yeah. And, and after the fact, I mean, the, other than that, uh, the trip was, you know, was also very not- notable for the Melania hand slap. Mm. First lady caught on video slapping away Trump's hand for the, was that the second hand slap or the first hand slap? I honestly, dude, I, I think there was one in Europe. The one hand slaps. It's a big deal. I mean, is it, it? Well, I think what's interesting is how little attention the relationship between the president and first lady has gotten when you it's clearly not good well i know but when you think about um the immense interest that presidential marriages have gotten in the past oh yeah the clinton marriage the obamas right like that that's a source of like of interest and of and there's just been nothing. It's like oh yeah the first lady uh essentially slapped the president uh on yeah. camera twice during the fort, and it's like no one, no follow up. Well, I think that uh, I agree, no follow up. But I also think it's dumb. Like, it is dumb, but it's, it's like, just another reminder for me about why. Uh, so in the United States, like the head of government and the like head of the executive are unified in the president, mm-hmm. but in other countries, no, it's bisected for frequent listeners. For frequent, oh, did yeah. I bring up this before? <laughs> yeah, my worldview is very shaped by like five ideas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's true. Mussolini made the right Mussolini, friend. the virtues of a parliamentary system, everyone's full of shit, and... Enlightened self-interest it, and fear and pain. Exactly. Those are it. If you know that... They, they've come through all uh, the whole podcast, yeah. But my point is yeah. that the what's the deal with presidential marriages thing Yeah, is very much a result of our weird system where the president is it, sort of also like the, the royals. Yeah, yeah. It's also the king. Like we elect a king yeah. in a lot. In, we really do in a lot of ways. Yeah. So I don't really care about that. Yeah. Uh, but, but it happened and it happened. And it, noteworthy. I bet you, and I shouldn't say this. <laughs> I bet you Trump, it would not surprise me based on what we know about Trump, that he is perhaps not always a faithful husband. You think? Uh, yes. Uh, based on me, uh, substantive media reports, and so and his own, his his own yes. Words. I bet yeah. I bet that being president really puts a crimp in that, and I wonder if that's why he's uh, he's gone off the rails so much. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? None of this is uh, is on our. Okay, where were we? Here. Oh, we were yeah. on the damage to the U.S. Israeli yeah. intelligence yeah. relationship. Yeah. So. Uh, he, he shares this intelligence with the Russians. Uh, they get through the trip, uh, or this leg of the trip, mostly unscathed. And then afterwards, like the Israelis quietly tweak their intelligence sharing protocols with the United States in, in response to this. And, and by quietly, you mean you read this online? Yes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they, they didn't specify what it was. They, you know, they, they didn't just, put out a press release. Yeah, they just didn't. They were like, yes, there was a change. And... and um, that does not surprise me, and you, you and I were talking about why that is, and and so 
first of all, Israel's intelligence services are like the shit. Uh, they're very serious, Mossad. Yeah. Uh, and to a lesser extent, but uh, the Shin Bet. Yeah, the, I've seen Munich, man. I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, watch Munich. They're very yeah. serious. Um, they, they take the, obviously, the safeguarding of their people in various contexts very seriously. Once again, see Munich. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of sort of moralism to it. And But the other very substantive thing is that for the Israelis, Intelligence gathering is very existential. So there are multiple points in Israeli history where a sophisticated Israeli intelligence apparatus literally preserved the country. Absolutely. Most notably during the Six-Day War mm -hmm. uh, when they were launched a preemptive airstrike against the Egyptian and Syrian forces yeah. and like, saved the country. Oh, I hit something. And uh, so the point is almost more than other countries, the safeguarding of the intelligence apparatus is very important. So this definitely hit them in the gut. Yeah. Okay. So that was Israel. Then we moved on to the home of beautiful chocolates and No, then we went to the Vatican. Oh. There's no chocolate in the Vatican? No chocolate. No chocolate. There it, The it Pope was... likes his Hershey bar. Yeah. <laughs> we put it under his pillow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 Pope uh, trip was notable for a couple of things. Uh, the Pope kind of called Trump fat, asking the First Lady what she was feeding him. Uh, nothing, because um, I never see my husband. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he can eat shit. For <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know that. Was, yeah, um, but yeah, I called him that, and then um, gave him a copy of like his big encyclical on like the threat of climate change, like a tr just like. Trolled the shit out of Trump. Oh, it's like, man. Like, I'm he so probably didn't even get it. Here are three books for you, and like none of them have pictures. And did not allow Sean Spicer, who's a very devout Catholic, apparently. Uh, I'm not going to be one of these people. It's like, yeah. Sean, who's a devout Catholic, like I knew that. Yeah. Um, he didn't allow him to uh, accompany them on the uh, papal visit. Yeah. And Sean was very... I mean, you're Catholic. Well, but, it, it, uh, yeah, I mean, it just shows the... The pettiness and the sort of vulgarness of of Trump, of kind of like family is family, and this kind of like you're never all the way in, mm -hmm. and I could never see you again and be fine sort of attitude that he... And the context yeah. here is that the stories before this, I mean, every other day, it's like Sean, you know, Trump's displeased with Sean and, and you know... Is he yeah. in or is he out? And, and of course, you know, uh, the reason that this was a story was because like it wasn't, it wasn't found out until like just before the meeting that he wouldn't be going. So it's like it wasn't like at the they were going through the agenda of the trip and like okay, and here's here's who's going to accompany on the visit. It was like a last minute thing. Like ah oh, no, nah. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Like, like ah, Sean, there's there's no more room in the car. Yeah, sorry, dude. Yeah, you know, like so it's just it's just a reflection on how Trump operates, even uh for the people that have uh you know, sold their souls I, I, to I don't want to spend too much time with the Vatican. Yeah. I mean you're Catholic yeah. and like it's great, but yeah. let's move on. <laughs> yeah, so then we went to Brussels. Uh home of chocolate. Home of the chocolate. And a and a and a subtle undercurrent of both uh Anti-Muslim extremism, yeah, and Muslim extremism, yeah. It's not so, you know, be below the chocolate level. Yeah, the Trump was apparently 
cramming chocolates down his mouth in a meeting with the uh, president of the EU. Oh, is that true? Yeah. Shit. Yeah. You say land of chocolate, so I was like, what was that thing about chocolate? Oh, yeah. Okay, so they had the NATO meeting. Um, NATO, kind of a big deal. Uh, yeah. Everyone knows what NATO is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is the Chocolate Making Association of Europe. Yeah. It's a very important group. <laughs> no, military alliance. I've uh, been fighting with us in Afghanistan for 17 years. Just about. Yeah. Who's counting? 17 years. Longest war in American history. Yeah. Though Afghanistan's been at war for like 30 years. Never fight a land war in Asia. Yeah. It's not true in risk. It's not true in life. Yeah. You mean it is true in risk and it is true in life. Well. Never fight the war. Uh. (laughs) Oops. That's how we got into Afghanistan. Well, yep. Here we are. Because someone said it like that and they got it wrong. And that, so that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, we can do this. Um. Yeah, so there was this all this uh, attention about, you know, is Trump going to reaffirm the United States' commitment to Article 5 of the NATO Treaty, which says that an attack on one is an attack on all. The only time this clause of the treaty has been invoked was after 9-11, when our NATO allies all stood with us and helped us invade Afghanistan. Um is a really important principle for... It's basically the only... Re- the uh, For the, instance, the yeah. other parts of the NATO treaty deal with things like, we're all going to use the same bullets. Yeah. You know, this you is the... join re- NATO for Article 5. Yeah, that's really why you come. Yeah. That's, it's the steak on the menu. Yeah. It, and, and just hugely important, you know, NATO was formed to, to combat the Soviets in Europe after the Second World War. Um, and it has gradually been expanding uh, further east, closer to Russia, was a source of tension. Um, and Trump managed to literally shove aside the newest member of NATO, Montenegro. Who, and Montenegro recently fought off a, an attempted Russian coup, essentially, a Russian-backed coup. Yeah. Um, and, and so maybe Trump got that memo from Putin to yeah, shove him. In, in a photo op. Uh, Trump literally pushed him kind of aside violently. to get to the front. Um, so, well, that wasn't the biggest deal. So, his advisors had been saying in advance of his speech at NATO that he would be like reaffirming America's commitment to this because, with all of these questions swirling around about you know the Russian interference in the U.S. election and Trump's close affinity to Russia and everything that. A lot of European allies worried about what that really means for them and the status of Article 5. Advisors said, don't worry, don't worry. And you, uh, I forget when exactly this was, but um, did John McCain, did he miss the inauguration to go to the Munich Security Conference? I uh, didn't miss the inauguration, but he went. Yeah, he, he missed some, oh, he missed a vote. Yeah. He may have, anyway, he missed a very important vote to be at this Munich Security Conference, which is not a NATO conference, but is a sort of NATO proxy conference. Yeah. Because that was the, it's like, it was very, a lot of members of the foreign policy establishment viewed Trump's rhetorical attacks on NATO as very damaging. Yeah. So they're all, all of these efforts to sort of uh, say, no, 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 we do support you. Yeah. And then what his advisors have been saying is, and now Trump himself it's will coming. finally get in line and say, we support, you know, NATO at a fundamental yeah, it's level. It's coming, it's coming. And then it didn't. Yeah. He, it's sort of like when the best man at a wedding gets drunk <laughs> and 
gives like sort of the wrong speech. Yeah, it's and like, like and this you, is the main point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you were always so yeah. good. He just tells like an embarrassing story of the groom, and it just kind of like leaves it at that. Like, yeah. Oh wait, but I didn't bring it back around to like the reason we're all here. Exactly. Like, yeah. That's basically yeah. what it was. Yeah. So he doesn't invoke Article Five, and he throws everyone under the bus for not meeting their spending target commitments. Right. Which they're not supposed to even hit till 2020. And by the way, percentage of GDP is like a pretty flawed metric for uh, defense spending uh, yeah. commitments. But anyway. And and the optics of that were kind of surprising because when he was in Saudi Arabia, uh, he said, I'm not here to lecture you, you know, close friend. And despite the fact that Saudi Arabia couldn't be more different than America in terms of its values and the freedoms its people have and everything. And he's like, I'm not here to lecture you about any of that. Now, this wasn't just for context here about how true that is. This wasn't a good law, as you and I have discussed, but the Congress overrode an Obama presidential veto to make it possible for the families of 9-11 victims to sue the government of Saudi Arabia for its role in 9-11. Yeah. That is how complicated our relationship is with Saudi Arabia. Absolutely. Overrode a veto. Yeah. So that could get passed in the law. But that was mostly just an F you to Obama because the law like potentially made Americans vulnerable to legal act. It was like – it's a bad law. And uh, no, it's a bad law, but think yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, super majorities, both houses of Congress, oh, yeah. for a law that's only purpose was to allow families of 9 11 victims mm-hmm. to yeah. sue a country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then we're not going to lecture them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're not going to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is great. This yeah. is great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just it, uh, his trip really just left a bad taste in everybody's mouth. Um, you know, and. Today, uh, on on what's today? Thursday, the president. Well, but can we just back up a little bit before we get to that? Yes. Which is that you immediately saw there were signs of friction at the meeting. Yeah, and since then, he quite literally, you know, he wasn't going to the social events with these other leaders, and he had the awkward handshake with Macron, and yeah, and then when he got back, Merkel started saying things like, "Europe can't rely on the United States anymore." Yeah, and then he does what? And then he withdraws from the Paris climate deal. Boom. Boom. Today. And policy-wise, that isn't necessarily a huge deal. Yeah. Um, I mean, the administration's policy on climate change was already clearly one of denial. I mean, the EPA administrator, Scott Pruitt. Uh, the marriage been dead for a long time. You know, it's yeah. official. Yeah, um, it does. I mean, you know, they they rolled back the um, you know emission standards for automobiles, right? Und- so undid the Obama Clean Power Plan. Yeah. So there was there was absolutely no way that even had Trump not taken this action today, that the United States was not going to meet its emissions reduction targets. Uh, in line with with the Paris Accords. And so the removal from it is symbolically very bad um, because I think it shows this retrenchment of American leadership in in tackling big problems. It it drives a huge question at the heart of our credibility and ability to work with allies and stand by our word and 
I mean, it, it, it's just a disaster um, in, in that lens. It's also, um, yeah, I mean, there's not many, there's no other country on earth which could have convened nearly every country on earth to get this type of deal together. And it was important because it sort of affirmed that this was an important issue and the international community was committed to working together. Yeah. And those are real things. Yeah, it, this requires a worldwide response. It's always... It's and that al- was a very important statement. It's also sort of strikingly in opposition to, um, A, I think one of the arguments that people sort of thought maybe subliminally about Trump. And also there's a Nixonian parallel here, which is this whole idea of only Nixon could go to China. Yeah. Where oftentimes you have these uh, presidents with very... Uh, well-developed political personas in terms of Nixon is anti-communist and Trump is pro-nationalist and whatever. And what they use that credibility to do is to broker these deals that other people could not do. Yeah, like the Oslo Accords and Yitzhak Rabin. Yeah, and so this was not that, right? Like this was – I am viewed as a like ideologue, nationalist, buffoon – and I'm going to take this opportunity to, to reaff- that. reaffirm yeah. that. There was no surprise there. Yeah. And it's a big deal. And that's, I think, where we sort of start wrapping up where it began, which is that this is the bill coming due. This isn't just scandal and, you know, social media. Yeah. It's it's the United States. It's not is, confefe, if you will. Uh, I was <laughs> trying to get through the podcast without mentioning that. Thank you. Uh, I literally lost my train of thought. <laughs> Fuck you! And like, a butterfly flaps its wings, and a president ruins a podcast yeah. that he helped create. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. it's called the Trump State. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Where, where the fuck? Like, where was I? <laughs> when I don't, I don't know what you're referring to. I, I was just but, gonna say it's showing that. Oh yeah, you know he he just you know he was sort of typecast today. It's like you're the semi-literate, uh, ignorant buffoon. Well, yeah, he was typed. Go be that. And it, it shows that there's a real erosion in uh, the capital that allows the United States to be a global leader. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with a, um, you know, a newly elected prime minister in France tr- and, a, and a German German elections coming up, that Europe is going to. Start ignoring Donald Trump and the United States, and they will continue to uh, fight climate change. They will continue to promote European integrity and combat the Russians. Well, yeah. and in some ways, I think that's a good thing. It is a good thing. It is a good thing. But I think, um, you know, and I, I don't know the exact answer to this question, but if – if we hate the direction that Donald Trump is leading the question, there is leading the country, then is the United States taking a back seat in its global leadership role necessarily a bad thing? Ooh. Ooh. That is a really interesting question. Right? Like if he is going to, you know, dismantle all this good stuff, you know, and it's really the question of, like, do you want him on the inside of the tent pissing out or on the outside pissing in? Well, like, right well, now I, he was just, like, you, pissing his pants in the tent. And now he was... I'm sorry. This is a, not a great metaphor. Now he piss somewhere else. <laughs> so now he's pissing in the tent? Yeah. Well, no. Now, he, you know, he, he's away. So if... And, and I, I, I don't know because I think that the part of the value in... America's position is it's this convening ability, this, you know, 
some sometimes hypocritical, but nonetheless like moral high ground. Um, and if we think the president is such a buffoon and that the next president is going to have to essentially apologize to the world, America will have to apologize to the world for its president, um, then is, if the United States takes a step back and just twiddles its thumbs while the idiots are in charge, that may not be such Well, a we thing. are approaching this critical moment where if Congress doesn't get off the fucking bench now, if like John McCain, Lindsey Graham, other serious senators uh, – don't decide that bad things are happening and we need to make a statement at the congressional level to reaffirm some of these commitments, that window is not very long. I mean that's just a couple I, – I think it's a year at most. Yeah, but I mean they have hitched their wagon to to this. I think that you have not seen um, – I, I think two things. I think that the people like McCain and Graham – granted, McCain's all talk recently. The Straight Talk Express has been in the shop for yeah. a while. Uh-huh. But I think that there's those people are still digesting this trip. Well, I, I think they are honestly based on nothing. But I think that either way, the president is under a counterintelligence investigation being conducted by the FBI. No, I know, and that's not a big enough. That's well. I think in some ways for, the, for, for these people, for create these, some separation for these people, I think that these issues of American leadership are more salient, for better or worse. Um. And the other thing is, well, I'll believe it when they cast a vote that says that. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, are they going to get off the bench? Like, this might be the issue that yeah. starts that. And, yeah. But I do think McCain's all like, Russia, you know, is a bigger threat than ISIS, and we got to combat Russia. And it's like, yeah, Rex Tillerson, like with the award of friendship from Vladimir Putin. Like, yeah. yeah. Why don't you go be Secretary of State? Well, so we're getting to this point though, where I think that if it is late August, early September. And there's no – and there won't be. There's no health care. There's no tax. There's whatever. So it's September, and we're, ending, we're, ending, we're entering into the end of the year. Um, and then that's sort of the go sign for congressional elections. Yeah. And that will be when shit starts to fall off the wagon in terms of uh, people stepping up their criticism of Trump within the Republican Party. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, probably, because, yeah, there won't be legislative accomplishments. But, um, you know, today today was a sad day uh, with Trump, Trump pulling back like this. Um, but I think when the history is written, the important part before today is the 10 years of anti-science, uh, you know, oil money fueled ignorance that has permeated the Republican Party and enabled this. You know, House Speaker Paul Ryan put out a statement today supportive of the withdrawal from Paris, right? This is not just uh you know, it's not just Trump. Uh this is the result of decades of attacks on independent inquiry and you know, they they go after scientists. They go after the Congressional Budget Office. They go after the media. They go after the intelligence community. I mean, any source of independent knowledge uh, that contradicts their worldview falls victim to this. And Trump is an embodiment of that, but he's been, he, he didn't occur from nothing. 
Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, no, I was. I was listening. It was. It was really good. Thank, I, thank you. Thank you. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I, it's um. I, I was what I one of the things that was crossing my mind when you said history books was I was wondering if we could submit. wait. I lost you at history books. <laughs> No, you didn't lose me in history books. You, your mind just wandered <laughs> off. Just I was listening. It was a <laughs> it was a sad day, and a number mm -hmm. of threads have been building to this moment. Yeah. I, I hear you. All right. I, I also <laughs> thought that I was wondering if we could submit this podcast to the Library of Congress. Because <laughs> I think they take stuff like this, right? What you just want to drop it off? I'm gonna look into it. All right. And then yeah. my kids, you know, when they happen, <laughs> are going to go and yeah. listen to me. You know, this is Daddy's podcast. Yeah. Here in the Jefferson Well, I've said, a lot, I've said a lot of fucked up shit. Yeah. So, like. Not till they're older. Well, no, I'm saying, like, if I have a, you know, if I have, like, a policy career. It's like, oh, I didn't say that. It's like, oh, to the Library of Congress? Oh, crap. It's, like, really well cataloged. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We're going to be on a hiatus next week. I'll be on vacation, but we'll get back to you. Actually, I'll talk to you about next week. All right. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.